Hey there, and welcome to Shadow Facts. That's facts as in horse treat-sized pieces of information, a podcast about Lord of the Rings. But only the horse parts. I'm Joey. And I'm Caitlin. And And this this is is our our oath. We vow to discuss every horse mentioned or visible in both the Lord of the Rings books and film adaptations, and we do mean every. We vow to rank every horse mentioned above. We vow to rewrite one of Tolkien's songs per episode to be about horses, live on the pod. And last but not least, we vow to answer the call of Gondor when the beacon is lit. By which we mean, answer your questions about Lord of the Rings horses to the best of our ability. episode something it's shadow facts shadow facts wow what an entrance i'm joey and my pronouns are they or he and you can find me on twitter at joey the prince wow bold to plug your twitter at the beginning of the show i'm caitlin you can find me no, I'm Caitlin. My pronouns. You can you can find me at they them. <laughs> Great. My pronouns are twitter.com. Oh, that's oh, God. Oh, that's a bummer. <laughs> that that one bums me out, Joe. Coming out coming out hot with with a fucking bummer. <laughs> Which is, you know, totally appropriate for the chapters. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, hey, we remembered to introduce ourselves. Now you all know who's talking. <laughs> Sounds like we earned a Mrs. Pasture apple cookie. Yeah. Mmm, yum. Oats. Oats. And we have a book episode for you today. We are covering the last three chapters of book five, starting with the Houses of Healing and ending with the Black Gate Opens. Ooh. Kind of a bummer. I was just saying before we started recording, I feel like every book episode recently has just been so emotional. And there there are definitely spikes of emotion in here, but I survived this one without tears, which has not been the case recently. So Yeah, there were, I had a couple moments where I was like, oh, but I mean, there is a sense of, of pause here, you know? There's mm-hmm. a brief rallying. And actually, I don't know. There's just a lot of focus on, you know, these people who are wounded, who are in the houses of healing, like they're they're out of action mm-hmm. for the foreseeable future. And I don't know. And it just it was interesting to me that we have like the meeting of like the generals, the princes, the leaders, whatever preparing for the next battle and then you have this like 
houses of healing stuff where like they're just supposed to rest and recover once yeah you know the actual healing scene happens um yeah and there's a line later from mary that kind of like puts that into sharp focus but yeah yeah these chapters are in some ways a little more detached than the last couple of ones have been both in terms of pacing like you were talking about and and time yeah like we'll talk about it as we get into it but I feel like for a lot of the books you are very much like in the driver's seat when um horrible action is happening and that is not really the case in these chapters yeah it zooms out a little mm-hmm. yeah should we well dive in yeah yeah we left off well I don't know where we left off but we pick up <laughs> Um, (laughs) we pick up with Theoden's body being you know born back into the city and like Eowyn being carried to the houses of healing and Mary is still like walking but is just he's having a rough time of it yeah I have I have this bookmarked to Mary the ascent seemed age long a meaningless journey and a hateful dream going on and on to some dim ending that memory cannot seize. Yeah, I marked that too. I One of the things I think Tolkien is really good at is evoking the feeling, like, I've had that feeling of just, like, just being absolutely miserable and it feels like it's never gonna stop or end and, like, I'm just stuck in a horrible nightmare. Yeah, yeah, that pain, both emotional and physical, like, one of the worst parts of it is that in the moment, it feels infinite. Like, it destroy. Yeah. it is the time destroyer, and he is so good at communicating that. Yeah. And then he runs into Pippin. Yeah. He, like, takes a wrong turn, as Pippin tells him, um, and is just, like, walking kind of on autopilot, thinking to himself, this is a tunnel leading to a tomb, there we shall stay forever. Fuck. And then Pippin is there and it's cute. And well, and they're the only they're the only people around. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Just like Pippin's little like he says, I wish I could carry you. You aren't fit to walk any further. They shouldn't have let you walk at all, but you must forgive them. So many dreadful things have happened in the city, Mary, that one poor hobbit coming in from the battle is easily overlooked. And then Mary, you know, says a couple things and then help me, Pippin. It's all going dark again and my arm is so cold. And Pippin helps him and Mary says, are you going to bury me? Which, yeah, like is, I mean, Mary is, you know, is in the shadow of the Nazgul, whatever they, they call it a little the later. Um, yeah. And like is being influenced by that, but it's weird and tragic and kind of funny to have Mary like be so not himself and so like so doom and gloom in that way Pippin Pippin responds and says no indeed said Pippin trying to sound cheerful though his heart was wrung with fear and pity yeah Um, one because it's relatable because everyone has been in that position of like trying to put on a face for the people that you love, but especially for 
you know, there's some, like, role reversal here with the hobbits. Like, you were just talking about, you know, it being out of character for Mary to be so doom and gloom. Yeah. So it is with Pippin. Like, Pippin, who, despite everything he has been through, is, like, generally in good spirits and and has a a quip and a snark. See see Yeah. And also, like, thinking about, you know, their farewell to each other... When, like, Pippin was freaked out and scared, you know, that he was, like, that Gandalf was taking him away and he was being separated from Mary and he kind of, like, looks to Mary for reassurance and now that is... He has to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Is swapped. Yeah. Um, But then they run into Burgle, Baragon's son, and he goes with a message for them and they just sit down to rest because Pippin realizes like Mary can't walk any further and Mary he lays Mary's head in his lap and they just are sitting on the sidewalk in a patch of sunlight (laughs) yeah he felt his body and his limbs gently and took his friend's hand in his own oh yeah and then Gandalf himself comes and finds them he stoops over Mary and caresses his brow and in actually picks him up and carries him. And then this was interesting to me. He says he should have been born in honor into the city. He said, he has well repaid my trust for if Elrond had not yielded to me, neither of you would have set out. And then far more grievous would the evils of this day have been. And I don't remember if we ever saw any of that conversation between him and Elrond. I feel like we didn't, but like, Gandalf was like, no, like, Merry and Pippin should go. They're part of the fellowship, yeah. And and essentially vouched for them and is now saying, like, I'm fucking glad I did because things would be a lot worse without the two of you. Which is nice because, like, you know, they fucked up in ways too and he's he's made sure they know that. <laughs> um, but it's it's kind of nice to have him acknowledge the importance of of what they've contributed to. Yeah, and then the flip side of that, because this is coming off of uh, an interesting focus in the books that, you know, isn't in the adaptations about, like, Gandalf, Gandalf feeling personal guilt about, like, him being so powerful but still only really being able to, like, be in one place and do one thing at once. And so, like, he left the battlefield to go save Faramir and feels guilt over that. And immediately after that, he says, and yet here is another charge on my hands while all the time the battle hangs in the balance. Yeah. Yeah. And he's feeling, yeah, that split. Um, And then they're actually in the Houses of Healing and we learn that everyone who's like kind of in the black shadow um, is like falling slowly into an ever deeper dream and then eventually dies and all of the healing arts are not helping them. Yeah, and we meet a great new character, Yoreth, yes. the healer. Yes, Yoreth, the eldest of the women who served in that house, looking on the fair face of Faramir, wept for all the people loved him. And she said, Alas, if he should die, would that there were kings in Gondor as there were once upon a time, they say, for it is said in old lore, the hands of the king are the hands of a healer. And so the rightful king could ever be known. And Gandalf is like, "Mm, maybe a king has come. (laughs) Damn, tell me about them kingly hands. (laughs) Uh, And he 
goes out. And then, you know, people people walk around, they talk to each other. Aemer comes to the Houses of Healing. Well, I'm not quite there yet. Um, we, I mean, we people, can be there. Yeah. Well, yeah, I just wanted to say, like, Aragorn had said that he wasn't going to enter the city yet because... He wanted to, like, talk to the current steward of Gondor, which is now Faramir, um, first, and not just, like, come in and take over without sort of doing it in an honorable way, basically. Mm-hmm. But he he comes in cloaked, um, and so when Aemir and Imrahil go and meet up with Gandalf, like, outside the houses... There's a cloaked man with him. And then they're like, shall we not send now for the Lord Ottergorn? And the cloaked man spoke and said, he has come. And they saw as he stepped into the light of the lantern by the door that it was Ottergorn, wrapped in the gray cloak of Lorien above his mail and bearing no other token than the green stone of Galadriel. And then they agree that for now, the Lord of Dol Amroth shall, you know, rule the city until Faramir awakes, but um, also that Gandalf should rule us all in terms of like battle council, we should follow his lead and and they agree to that. I just liked the dramatic cloak moment. It's very Aragorn. There's so much like princely logistics in this chapter, which yeah. you know, I could take or leave. The so there are two things kind of within this scene that I wanted to point out. Yeah. First, Imrahil and Aomer go to the actual citadel, and it is empty except for Theoden's body. Uh, laid yeah. out there and i just i love uh, like that's such a strong visual especially because previously have described the citadel like with all of its white marble as like cold and and feeling like a tomb and now here it is in fact a tomb yeah um, that's good shit and i also really like they're they're asking you know where is everyone and a guard tells them the steward of gondor is in the house of healing but Eomer said, where is the Lady Eowyn, my sister? For surely she should be lying beside the king and in no less honor because he still believes her dead. Yeah. And Amrahel is like, oh no, dude, she's she's alive. And this is no just- No thanks to you. No, <laughs> yikes. Yeah, but this is a particular, like, one of those, like, wonderful, succinct little token bits. The hope unlooked for came so suddenly to Eomer's heart and with it, the bite of care and fear renewed. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. I love when Aragorn walks in and Pippin sees him and is like, Strider, how splendid. And then says that he guessed that it was I, it was the three hunters really, in the black did ships. Did you really? I think so. <laughs> we know genuinely the hobbits to be shrewd. It's just, it's very funny. Yeah. Um, and this is, okay, this is a moment... I know we have read these stories and encountered many moments of trans resonance, but here is a big one. Um, because Imrahil says to Aemir, is it thus that we speak to our kings? Yet maybe he will wear his crown in some other name, like kind of as a joke about people calling Aragorn Strider. And then Aragorn yeah. turns around and delivers a soliloquy about the power of chosen name and names himself. I know. Can I, wait, can I read yes, it? Yes, please. And Ottergorn hearing him turned and said, Verily, for in the high tongue of old, I am <laughs> you said that. You said that in the, you said that in a sexy way. What are you? <laughs> 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 Verily. 
Literally. That's just my Ottercorn voice. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sorry. Read on. For in the high tongue of old, I am Elisar, the elf stone, and Envinyatar, the renewer. And he lifted from his breast the green stone that lay there. But Strider shall be the name of my house, if that be ever established. In the high tongue it will not sound so ill, and Telkantar I will be, and all the heirs of my body. Which I take to mean Telkantar is elvish for Strider. Yeah. And, yeah, and I love it. And he, like, I mean, we've talked about Ottergorn, like, occupying these different roles and different sort of versions of himself and he is like integrating them with with that name choice yeah and then they go into the houses of healing yes he asks um oh my god this and this begins the whole fucking like i love lucy routine (laughs) yeah he asks if they have herbs of healing in the house, and Yorith answers with more words than she needs to. Every time he asks her something, she, like, gives him a paragraph when he wanted, like, three words. And he literally says, one thing also is short, time for speech, and asks yeah. another question, and she goes off into a spiel. Yeah. Um. He, so he asks for Athelas, um... And then tells her it's also called King's Foil. And she says, oh, that. Well, if your lordship had named it at first, I could have told you. No, we have none of it, I am sure. Why, I have never heard that it had any great virtue. And indeed, I have often said to my sisters when we came upon it growing in the woods, King's Foil, I said, tis a strange name. And I wonder why tis called so. For if I were a king, I would have plants more bright in my garden. Still, it smells sweet when bruised, does it not? If sweet is the right word, wholesome maybe is nearer. And Aragorn, sorry, I said, I said, I love Lucy. This is actually like, this could be a scene from Austin. Yeah, as I read that, I was like, this feels like reading Pride and Prejudice. This feels like, uh, not quite Mrs. Bennet, but like a little bit. Oh, yeah. And then Aragorn playing, of course, Lizzie Bennet. Mm hmm. Says, says, wholesome, verily, said Aragorn. So, sorry, verily. <laughs> and now, dame, if you love the Lord Faramir, run as quick as your tongue and get me king's foil, if there is a leaf in the city. And if not, said Gandalf, I will ride to Lasarnik with Yorith behind me, and she shall take me to the woods, but not to her sisters. And Shadowfax shall show her the meaning of haste. <laughs> that feels... <laughs> I... <laughs> I don't... It's... I understand what that means. It just... It is a... It's a combination of words which reads differently in 2021 than it did in... Yeah. I... Also, I just... I love a lot of what is happening in this chapter. And also, it feels a little... Some stuff feels a little shoehorned. I don't know. Like... I don't think we needed a line from Gandalf there. I don't yeah. think it actually, like, helps matters. What's interesting about this chapter is coming from the movies. Like, mm-hmm. once these characters we know and love are out of the way of the battle, the battle is done, the battle is decided. But in the book, the yeah. battle is still going outside. Yeah. And Gandalf, who has just been talking about feeling, like, guilty and overburdened, is here to yeah. like be like, oh yeah, I'll take the lady to go 
I mean, Shadowfax, granted, is the fastest horse, yeah. and these are all major players, but, but it, it is kind of like, an interesting... Yeah, like, Gandalf is aware of the need for haste, yet he's taking the time to, like, make an extra quip here. It just doesn't feel... I don't know. And then the Herb Master comes in in a little oh bit. Oh god. Which is also incredibly funny. He comes in not to bring Otterworn King's foil, just to talk to him about it. Yeah, and to like fucking like guy in the comic book shop gatekeep Aragorn about King's foil. First he can I can I read this like yeah. this little section? Okay. Your lordship asked for King's Foil, as the rustics name it, he said, or Athelas in the noble tongue, or to those who know somewhat of the Valinorian. I do so, said Aragorn, and I care not whether you say now Asea Aranion or King's Foil, so long as you have some. Your pardon, lord, said the man. I see you are a lore master, not merely a captain of war. But alas, sir, we do not keep this thing in the houses of healing, where only the gravely hurt or sick are tended, for it has no virtue that we know of, save perhaps to sweeten a fouled air, or to drive away some passing heaviness. Unless, of course, you give heed to rhymes of old days, which women say, as, or which women such as our good Yoreth still repeat without understanding. When the black breath blows, and death's shadow grows, and all lights pass, come athalas, come athalas, life to the dying, in the king's hand lying. It is but a doggerel, I fear, garbled in the memory of old wives. Its meaning I leave to your judgment, if indeed it has any. But old folks still use an infusion of the herb for headaches. And Gandalf says, Then in the name of the king, go and find some old man of less lore and more wisdom who keeps some in his house. That does feel like Gandalf. Yes. If Yorath is the Mrs. Bennet, this herb master is the Mr. Collins. Yeah, that's who I was channeling a little bit. Oh, yeah. I just, it's so funny to me. He literally says, like, when the black breath blows and death's shadow grows and all lights pass, which should, like, as far as, like, prophecies go or whatever, should be pretty it's fucking pretty clear. <laughs> yeah. Like, come Athalas, life to the dying in the king's hand lying. Like, and then Not he's like, oh, but it's just, it's, it's just literal. a bit of nonsense, Doggerel. meaning lost in the, over the years. Yorith knows it, but doesn't even understand what it means. Well, and this is, fucking. it must be like, especially frustrating to Aragorn, who is prophesied about, but also just like literally recently with the passage through the dead has had like a very firsthand experience with prophecy. Yeah. Yeah. This is like one of the pacing things. Like the pacing is weird and kind of halts and, and jerks in ways that I wouldn't expect. Like we get less time with Aemir learning that Eowyn is alive and the reunion of all of these characters than we do with the kind of like quippy banter. Yeah. I, I think it's in some ways intentional on his, yeah. on the part of the author to provide some respite. Yeah, I mean, like you have talked about in the film and like, you know, what Peter Jackson is doing to like relieve tension in moments so that the build of tension is sustainable. Mm -hmm. You know, we are having this moment of, of breath and humor. And also, I think it's not just like a break for the reader. It also, I think we feel the impatience like 
Yeah, like we definitely. feel Aragorn's impatience and the urgency of like, hey, there's a battle still happening. Like, move it along, Tolkien. Um, <laughs> but it is like, yeah, it is doing that on purpose, I think. I still disagree with that earlier line of Gandalf's. I think like Tolkien strayed there. But in general, like the pacing works for me in its weirdness. Yeah. Um, um, so then Aragorn kneels besides Faramir and, and begins the process of kind of chasing away the black breath, which he is able to do as the king, um, while Burgil brings some two-week-old king's foil. And then when he sees Faramir, he oh, bursts into good. tears. Yeah, actually, and... I do want to read this. Yeah. Uh, suddenly Faramir stirred, and he opened his eyes, and he looked on Aragorn, who bent over him, and a light of knowledge and love was kindled in his eyes, and he spoke softly. Mm. My lord, you called me. I come. What does the king command? It's mm-hmm. fucking good. Also, each time we see the Athelas, like, be used, it smells different, which I love. Yeah, um, yeah this for, each, one... for each person. Yeah, is described as a living freshness filled the room, as if the air itself awoke and tingled, sparkling with joy. And then I, he cast... Can I... Yeah. That, that felt like a very intentional allusion to to the beautiful like jeweled waterfall of Athelion mm. where we met Faramir. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then he actually puts it into the bowls of steaming water, and at once all hearts were lightened, for the fragrance that came to each was like a memory of dewy mornings of unshadowed sun in some land of which the fair world in spring is itself but a fleeting memory. And. Yeah. And then Yorith is like, well, <laughs> oh who would have believed it? The weed is better than I thought. It reminds me of the roses of Imloth Melwi when I was a lass and no king could ask for better. I feel like Yorith would get on well in the Shire. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then Aragorn, you know, tells Faramir to rest um, and for Baragon to stay and tend to Faramir. And then, you know, hurries off to do more kingly shit. And it's Pippin. We hear Pippin hears Yorith talking, and as they're leaving, Yorith is still going on. King, did you hear that? What did I say? The hands of a healer, I said. Yep. (laughs) Also, this line, um, but Baragond and his son remained behind, unable to contain their joy. Yeah, oh my god. I just love him so much. I Um, mean, Faramir Faramir could be Burgil's new dad, you know? Oh, wow. I want to read that fanfic. Actually, no, I'm sorry. I feel like Faramir, I said that very blithely. I feel like Faramir would have very complicated relationship, uh, very complicated emotions about fatherhood. Yeah, but like, you know, he could be a father figure in that kid's life without calling himself that. Yeah, well, and I think also that Faramir is someone who could take a lot of like reparative joy and being able to like stop what could be a cycle of you yeah. know um okay we're re- we're reading yeah. a lot into this let's keep going because next is Eowyn next is yeah our girl oh there's some there's some moments i love here cuz Aragorn talks about like perceiving her unhappiness um yeah. and Eomer is like 
I knew that she, you know, was worried, but I didn't realize, like, that she was, you know, frost-touched. And And then, yeah, we have to read Gandalf's response. Yeah, and Gandalf says, My friend, you had horses and deeds of arms and the free fields, but she, born in the body of a maid, had a spirit and courage at least the match of yours. Yet she was doomed to wait upon an old man whom she loved as a father and watch him falling into a mean, dishonored dotage, and her part seemed to her more ignoble than that of the staff he leaned on. Think you that Wormtongue had poison only for Theoden's ears? You know, and he goes on, but just is like, seriously, dude? Like, do you not see what Eowyn was faced with? And just captures it really, really fucking well. Yeah, it's the end of that speech is actually Wormtongue's speech. They turn that into Wormtongue's speech to her at Wormtongue's introduction. Oh, yes. Um, as her oh, yeah. cousin is dying. The bit that says, but who knows what she spoke to the darkness alone in the bitter watches of the night when all her life seemed shrinking and the walls of her bower closing in about her, a hutch to trammel some wild thing in. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a uh, beautiful, beautiful writing. And I, it's impossible to not hear them in Brad Dorif's um, voice. Impossible for you, maybe. Um. I also really like the emphasis on, but like Amer, you had you had horses to cope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we've talked about the thing about the Amer Aowen relationship that gets me is Amer now having some new understanding of her. And after that, it says, Then Eomer was silent and looked on his sister as if pondering anew all the days of their past life together. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Um, and then Otterborn also mentions that, like, he can heal her body, maybe, but to what she will awake, hope, or forgetfulness, or despair, I do not know. And if to despair, then she will die, unless other healing comes which I cannot bring. Alas, for her deeds have set her among the queens of great renown. Yeah. These books believe so strongly in feelings. <laughs> mm-hmm. When Eowyn has fully woken, and also one of the first things sh- she asks about Theoden, and then she asks about Mary. Mary. Yes! Which is so nice, and she says, Eomer, you shall make him a knight of the Rittermark, for he is valiant, um, which is great. And yeah. then... Gandalf says, you know, it's great to see you wake again to health and hope. And Eowyn says, to health? It may be so. At least while there is an empty saddle of some fallen rider that I can fill, and there are deeds to do. But to hope? I do not know. Ugh. Depression is real, and you have instrumentalized yourself against it. awake, but depressed. Yeah. Her, her, uh, herb fragrance, by the way, was... A keen wind, which bore no scent, but was an air wholly fresh and clean and young, as if it had not before been breathed by any living thing, and came new-made from snowy mountains high beneath a dome of stars, or from shores of silver far away washed by seas of foam. (sighs) And then Mary. 
when the fragrance of Athelas stole through the room like the scent of orchards and of heather in the sunshine full of bees, suddenly Mary awoke and he said, I am hungry. What is the time? <laughs> oh, it's very good. Oh, also, just before that, Aragorn is telling Pippin that he's going to be okay and says, but these evils can be amended. So strong and gay a spirit is in him. Yep. I love to have a strong and gay spirit. I have a, I have, I did something pretty fucking wild this time around and actually like wrote notes on my post-its and this one just says, so strong and gay with uh, several exclamation points. Wow. Yeah. And then Aragorn laid his hand on Mary's head and passing his hand gently through the brown curls, he touched the eyelids and called him by name before Mm -hmm. Mary wakes up, which I just like the hands of the king are the hands of a healer. I know. Um, Aragorn is so tender. I know. It makes me think of Aragorn like fuck like literally like bandaging bandaging the hobbit's wounds as they've after they've escaped mordor yeah not mordor um fucking moria yeah 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 he's just mm. yeah and then there's a sweet exchange about mary is like i want to eat i want to smoke and then mary is like i don't think i want to smoke actually because that was going to be thanized thing and i remember that he's dead Aragorn says, smoke then and think of him, for he was a gentle heart and a great king and kept his oaths, and he rose out of the shadows to a last fair morning. Though your service to him was brief, it should be a memory glad and honorable to the end of your days. Which is very short, but like, you know, I, I lost someone this year. It It is always yeah. affirming to hear, like, your connections to the people that are gone should should not be a burden like they should be they should be a joy mm-hmm. for you yeah yeah and then there's another then we go, <laughs> go back to quip city yeah yeah do you want to read mary's line and and i'll take Aragorn again mary smiled well then he said if strider will provide what is needed i will smoke and think I had some of Saruman's best in my pack, but what became of it in the battle, I am sure I don't know. Master Meriadoc, if you think that I have passed through the mountains and the realm of Gondor with fire and sword to bring herbs to a careless soldier who throws away his gear, you are mistaken. If your pack has not been found, then you must send for the herb master of this house, and he will tell you that he did not know that the herb you desire had any virtues, but that it is called Westman's Weed by the Vulgar, and Galenas by the Noble, and other names in other tongues more learned, and after adding a few half-forgotten rhymes that he does not understand, he will regretfully inform you that there is none in the house, and he will leave you to reflect on the history of tongues, and so now must I." For I have not slept in such a bed as this since I rode from Dunharrow, nor eaten since the dark before dawn. And then it continues to be cute and wonderful, because Mary seized his hand and kissed it. I am frightfully sorry, he said. Go at once. Ever since that night at Bree we have been a nuisance to you. But it is the way of my people to use light words at such times and say less than they mean. We fear to say too much. It robs us of the right words when a jest is out of place. I know that well, or I would not deal with you in the same way, said Aragorn. May the Shire live forever, unwithered. Yeah, I love that. And kissing, I love and that. kissing Mary. He went he out. He went out. Yeah. Ugh. 
<laughs> and then Pippin says, was there ever anyone like him? Except Gandalf, of course. I think they must be related. <laughs> and then, my dear ass, your pack is lying by your bed, and you had it on your back when I met you. He saw it all the time, of course. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's really good. Yeah, it is good. But I, I mean, I love that acknowledgement from Mary that, like, you know, he defaults to joking around, and and most hobbits do, because, like, they they don't want to say too much, but acknowledges that then like when he needs more serious words, he doesn't, he doesn't have them. And Ottergorn is like, it's okay. I know what you're feeling. I get it. Mm-hmm. That's nice. Um, the last thing I have in this chapter. Oh, two things. One is that Ottergorn is giving the warden of the healing house, like instructions for care and talks about Mary, and the warden says, they are a remarkable race. Very tough in the fiber, I deem. <laughs> I also have that marked because that feels like a thing Sam would say. Yeah, yeah. And then I just thought it was interesting, like, the rumors have spread, right, that Ottergorn is there and that he's healing people, and a bunch of people have gathered to like ask him to heal their kinsmen or friends whose lives were in peril through hurt or wound or who lay under the black shadow and Ottergorn works far into the night through the city um healing all of these people but then like goes back to camp sneakily and in the morning there's like no sign of of him even though there have been all these rumors of the king returning and it's Dol Amroth's banner flying from the tower. And men looked up and wondered if the coming of the king had been but a dream. It's, I don't know. Yeah. And then we're into the last debate. Um, I don't have that many notes this chapter. I have a few. Most of what I have are mentions of horses. Yeah. Um, I definitely have some, but I will try to move more quickly through this chapter than the last one. There was this just chapter. The, I feel like the house of healing the was the one that I had the most. Stuff yeah, definitely, about. definitely. Uh, my first note is uh, Legolas. We get the introduction of Legolas and Gimli. Yes. Here they enter Minas Tirith, and Gimli is you know like talking about the stonework of the city, and they bump into Imrahel, and Imrahel sends them to their friends in the houses of healing. Legolas says something to the effect of, like, oh, that Emrahil, like, he has elvish blood, like, he's a, a remnant of what men once were. And Gimli says, essentially, like, this is the problem with men. Like, they diminish. It is ever so with the things that men begin. There is a frost in spring or a blight in the summer, and they fail of their promise. And Legolas mm-hmm. says, yet seldom do they fail of their seed. And that will lie in the dust and rot to spring up again in times and places unlooked for. The deeds of men will outlast us, Gimli. Yeah. And yet come to naught in the end, but might have been, I guess, said the dwarf. Yeah. And Legolas responds that the elves don't know the answer, which is a very poignant moment. Like, I think a lot of... Uh, Legolas and Gimli it's two opposite ends of the spectrum. Like, it's either this very poignant them trying to understand and relate to this thing that is not of them. Or it's the kind of, like, ha-ha-ha, like, odd, odd friends across old enmities. And this feels 
you know, this is obviously very much of the, the poignant variety. Yeah. And it's also, I mean, it's, it's kind of an interesting, not exactly foreshadowing, but like, I mean, they're foreshadowing the distant future, right? Because it, if this is a mythology, like, Legolas is right. The elves and dwarves are gone. And yeah. humans are still around. Um, and also, I think this is trying to get at, explicitly is trying to get at some, like, human fallibility. Yeah, but also, I mean, fallibility way. and also, like, this weird persistence. This, you know? <sighs> yeah. Um. Before we continue, I wanted to... Oh, yes. Actually read the initial description of them entering the city, because it says, Together, the elf and the dwarf entered Minas Tirith, and folk that saw them pass marveled to see such companions, for Legolas was fair of face beyond the measure of men, and he sang an elven song in a clear voice as he walked in the morning, but Gimli stalked beside him, stroking his beard and staring about him. (laughs) And I just, I don't know, it's just, it's cute. I love that it's like, Legolas was super hot, so everyone was staring at that. Um, and he's just walking along singing. Well, and, and is also being a show-off yeah. singing, And right. Gimli is like, hmm, stonework. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we love an odd couple. They go and hang out with the, yes, with Mary, Mary and Pippin in, like, the healing garden. And then Legolas has this moment oh, with the gulls. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah, dude. He says, look. Gulls, they are flying far inland. A wonder they are to me, and a trouble to my heart. Never in all my life had I met them, until we came to Pelargir, and there I heard them crying in the air as we rode to the Battle of the Ships. Then I stood still, forgetting war in Middle-earth, for their wailing voices spoke to me of the sea. The sea! Alas, I have not yet beheld it, but deep in the hearts of all my kindred lies the sea-longing which it is perilous to stir. Alas for the gulls, no peace shall I have again under beech or under elm. He mentions, like, Galadriel, but I don't know if you remember back, God, in, um, is that in Fellowship or Two Towers that they meet Galadriel? I don't know. It doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, okay, whatever. But she she says, Legolas Greenleaf, long under tree and joy thou hast lived, beware of the sea. If thou hearst the cry of the gull on the shore, thy heart shall then rest in the forest no more. Oh, damn. And Gimli's response. (sighs) Will you read it in your Gimli voice? Say not so. There are countless things still to see in Middle-earth and great works to do. But if all the fair folk take to the havens, it will be a duller world for those who are doomed to stay. Yeah. You know, he doesn't say, like, no, don't go because I would miss you. But, like, that's, he's saying, wait, but if you go. He's looking his boyfriend in the eyes and saying, it will be a duller world for those who are doomed yeah. to stay. Yeah. Um, And then, like, Gimli doesn't want to talk about the Paths of the Dead because it was horrible for him. But Legolas eventually does so because I felt not the horror and I feared not the shadows of men. Powerless and frail as I deemed them. <laughs> Legolas really wants 
He really wants to get across. He he is not. He does not give a shit about human ghost. It's so funny. Yeah. And then we have a horse reference right after that. He's talking about the the army of the dead. And he says, yeah. semi saw riding, semi saw striding, yet all were moving with great speed. And then also they overtook our horses and swept round us. And then a little further on... Um, he sings so a we, song. No, so we mounted again before night had passed and went on with all the speed that our horses could endure over the plains of Lebanon. Mm-hmm. And then he does sing a song about... Lebanon or Lebanon. I I feel the emphasis would be Lebanon, right? Yeah. Um, Uh, Although I guess it's not. I don't know if that's an Elvish name or if that's Gondorian or a stolen or if it's a an Elvish word. (laughs) It's funny to think about Elvish words being borrowed by like the, you know, the Gondor people in their language and then being like wildly mispronounced. mm, mm Mm-hmm. They keep describing the rest of Aragorn's race to Minas Tirith. I don't want to get too into it. Yeah. It's just, it's not that interesting. The people are scared. Aragorn tells people to, essentially to muster behind him and march to Minas Tirith if they can. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're riding very hard on horses. So there's a few mention of of horses. Uh, there's, in, there's interestingly, uh, like a mention of slaves like humans yeah. enslaved by other humans which we haven't seen yeah and it actually it specifies that when the army of dead kind of overtakes the ships all the mariners were filled with a madness of terror and left overboard save the enslaved people chained to mm. the oars and when after that Ottergorn sent one of the Dunedain to each of the great ships and they comforted the captives that were aboard and bade them put aside fear and be free. And then a little bit later, it says some of those people had been like Gondorians and others who had been, you know, taken in raids and they like joined the army. Yeah. And also they say because the army of the dead like so overwhelms these mariners that it's like not a fight. Mm-hmm. Strange and wonderful, I thought it, that the designs of Mordor should be overthrown by such wraiths of fear and darkness. With its own weapons, was it worsted? Yeah. And then um, they get to the ships and, like, overwhelm the Corsairs. And then Aragorn is like, okay, uh, we're we're good here. Ghosts go home. Which is like, no, hang on to the ghosts. You'll need the ghosts. I know. I was like, really? You couldn't have just, Don't like, bitch kept them, them now. a little longer? Uh, oh well. I did think it was interesting. So Aragorn like releases them from their oath, and the king of the dead like steps away from the host and breaks his spear, mm-hmm. which I don't know. Maybe Tolkien meant that as like a gesture of honor or whatever. But there there is an interesting thing there about the like relinquishing of of violence. Yeah. The next thing I have is kind of during this council meeting. Yeah. Same. Where, you know, Gandalf is talking to Imrahil and Eomer and Aragorn. And Gandalf basically is just saying, like, look, you know, we barely beat off the first great assault. Like, the next will be worse. And there's really no hope. He talks about, you know, the ring. And, like, if the ring is destroyed, then he will fall um, and so a great evil of this world will be removed. And and then this paragraph, which I really loved, yeah. he said, Other evils there are that may come, for Sauron is himself but a servant or emissary. Yet it is not our part, 
to master all the tides of the world, but to do what is in us for the succor of those years wherein we are set, uprooting the evil in the fields that we know, so that those who live after may have clean earth to till. What weather they shall have is not ours to rule. Like, that that hits different in 2021. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't think it's meant to be taken as, like, an abdication of responsibility for the future, right? Like, it's no. not like he's saying, oh, we don't have to worry. But, but it's a, like, it is our responsibility to do what we can now in the ways that we are able. The exact opposite yeah. of an abdication. Yeah, it is... It is not this one fight and we're done forever. Um, it's like refuses that idea. And also that like we cannot refuse to start because we are worried about all the tides of the world. Like we have to start here and now with what yeah. we have. I just read a Facebook thread the other day among some friends about climate despair, basically. Um y- Yeah. And and some people had some really good suggestions for coping, and I am not going to be able to recall their exact and eloquent words, but but it felt a lot like this. Some people talked about taking kind of a a palliative care approach that the mm. earth is dying in a sense, the at least the way it you know. It currently is and the way we currently live is dying but that it is our job to ease what we can and like make things as comfortable for the creatures that live on this planet and you know harm reduction etc etc i don't know it just it was good to see people talk about it in not just a like oh yeah everything's fucked but I can't really grapple with that because I get that I mean that's how I feel most of the time and I need something you know I need sometimes to like reframe it in my head yeah yeah yes that's an interesting point I feel like even calling it palliative care is maybe like farther than I'm willing to go because like an into our way of life it doesn't mean an into life. And that's not what I... Yeah. That's no, I mean, and that's what some some other people were talking about that side of it, too. I, you know, all of uh, those yeah. perspectives together were helpful to me. Um, But, yeah. A piece of common wisdom, which I find to be true, but very difficult to act upon, is that dis- despair is really not very helpful. And the best antidote to despair is action and how overwhelming mm-hmm. that can be. Like, trying to wrangle all the tides of the world. I actually just saw a tweet, like, half an hour ago, like, before we started recording, that felt very relevant to this. Uh, This is from Rachel Bean on Twitter. Fun fact, you don't have to be whatever you think an activist or an organizer is. You can just be a person who is choosing to connect with their community, aligning on the side of more health, more safety, more justice, and then provide care where you Mm -hmm. can. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. But it is... That line specifically because it is a weather metaphor is like yeah it's a it's a heavy hammer right now. I mean we're recording this um on the what I hope is the tail end of the Pacific Northwest heat dome, which you have been yes. recording in. Yeah, it's actually only been like in the high seventies today and mostly cloudy, which has been incredible. But like 
for two days what in a row these? in my town, it was 114 degrees. It's yeah. never been that hot here in in recorded history. Yeah. So Gandalf is, is yeah. laying out kind of this last desperate plan, which is to draw Sauron's eye literally and metaphorically by throwing a vast majority of their remaining strength into a, an assault yeah. to allow Frodo and Sam to slip um, by. And Gandalf basically says, like, now is not the time to... Prudence can't be heeded yeah. now. And says, we must walk open-eyed into that trap with courage, but small hope for ourselves... For, my lords, it may well prove that we ourselves shall perish utterly in a black battle far from the living lands, so that even if Baradur be thrown down, we shall not live to see a new age. But this, I deem, is our duty, and better so than to perish nonetheless, as we surely shall, if we sit here, and know as we die that no new age shall be. Eomer is like, yeah, fuck yeah, I'm on board, sign me up. Um, and Elrond's twins are also like, yes, this is what we came for. Imrahil is like, I'm still kind of the leader on paper of Gondor right now. Like, <laughs> let me play devil's advocate for a minute. Should we not leave the city of Minas Tirith mm -hmm. high and dry? And Gandalf is like, no, no, no. That's why I said like most of the forces. Um, and then there's some logistics about how things will be split I don't think there's much to go in there unless you have something except that Amir is talking about the loss of the Rohirrim horses. Um, and he says, we have suffered much loss of our horses and that is ill to bear. Yeah. Love our horses. Bunch of mention of horsed and unhorsed riders here. Um, oh, do you just go um, specifically, just uh, they say that Aemer should lead 500 of his best riders on horse and another company of 500 horse there should be, um, among which should ride the Sons of Elrond with the Dúnedain and the Knights of Dol Amroth, all told 6,000 on foot and 1,000 horse. So we know that book-wise, 1,000 horses... 1,000 yes, 1, horse. 1, horse set out for Mordor. Can I tell you, when I was reading these chapters, I started hearing Mordor in my <laughs> in my head as, like, an intentional mispronunciation of murder. The way, like, you might say Borgor instead of Burger. Like, oh, I want Borgor. <laughs> um, and now... <laughs> now every time I oh, hear no. Mordor, I'm just like, oh, no, I've been Mordored. Oh, no. <laughs> Rip. <laughs> BRB going to do a Mordor. Um, and then Aragorn, because he is a dramatic bitch, like draws his sword. He drew Anduril and held it up glittering in the sun. You shall not be sheathed again until the last battle is fought, he said. And yeah. so ends that And chapter. the next chapter starts two days later, the army of the West was all assembled on the Pelinors. So <laughs> It's just. This is what I was talking about with like with feeling like some weird distance that doesn't always exist between yeah. the reader and yeah. The, the, I just 
I wish I had better English degree words to talk about yeah. books with for this podcast. Uh, but there, there's some distance there because like time has never moved so quickly as it has in these chapters. Yeah, for the most oh my part, God. yeah. I just that one the, is like, particularly this funny because that's just two days that Otterborn has been running around with an unsheathed sword. <laughs> with his sword, I hear it in the like you know the SpongeBob. No, I've never watched SpongeBob. Voice. <laughs> of course not. Okay, never mind. It's a it's a funny joke. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So they're writing, they're writing out. The only thing I have to mention here, other than horses, for a couple of pages, is that is um, Mary, of course, is yes. staying. Behind. And so despondently, Mary now stood and watched the mustering of the army. Burgle was with him, and he also was downcast, for his father was to march, leading a company of the men of the city. He could not rejoin the guard until his case was judged. Oh, right, because he. He which is fucked up and, because he killed right, a bunch and of like, people. Yeah, he like fought his countrymen Denethor's and orders. disobeyed. Yeah. Um, the in story. that same company, Pippin was also to go as a soldier of Gondor. Mary could see him not far off, a small but upright figure among the tall men of Minas Tirith. And then the army leaves, and long after they had passed away, out of sight down the great road to the causeway, Mary stood there. The last glint of the morning sun on spear and helm twinkled and was lost, and still he remained with bowed head and heavy heart, feeling friendless and alone. Everyone that he cared for had gone away into the gloom that hung over the distant eastern sky, and little hope at all was left in his heart that he would ever see any of them again. Wailing <laughs> despair! Uh. Yeah, and then the, like, pain in his arm yeah. comes back as if it was called, yeah. recalled by I his I mean, not as if it was, it is. Oh, fuck. I mean, I know it says as if recalled, but yeah. it's yes. literally... <laughs> but, yes. Yeah. But then... The, it's the... Then... The black breath. It's the emotion. Yes, it's the emotions Burgle fog. Is like, I... Are we saying Burgle or Berigil? I feel like it's Baragil because oh Baragond, Bar- we don't say Baragond, we say Baragond, and therefore Baragil. Also, it's too funny for this kid to be named Burgle. Bur- Burgle, okay. Baragil notices that he's in pain and is like, "Here, I'll take you back to the houses of healing." The men of Minas Tirith will never be overcome, and now they have the Lord Elfstone, which is what the Gondorians are calling Ottergorn, and Baragond of the Guard My too. Dad. Yeah. My dad can beat up all those other dads in my dad fighting ring. Oh, the next thing I have is, I mean, one, it says the horsemen pressed on, but also they end up at the crossroads and the great ring of trees where we saw Sam and Frodo and where the, like, the head of the king statue was on the ground with the flowers on it and the shaft of sunlight hit it. Oh, and yeah. now these guys are there and they, like, fix the statue and clean off the graffiti it's it's very funny to me because they literally say pair away. And so, like, we're on, like, a desperate, time-sensitive march that most of us are going to die on, but we have to stop and use our little daggers to scrape orc graffiti off of a fucking statue in the middle of goddamn it nowhere. It has meaning. 
I understand <laughs> there's resonance. There is resonance to it. I get it. There is also, they like, where everywhere they go in these lands that are like kind of tainted by the touch of Mordor, they're doing like a heraldic announcement of the presence of the steward and like ceremonially reclaiming the land, which is very yeah. interesting. We'll get to that when we get to the, I I have something to say along those lines when they actually get to the Black Gate um, too. It's just, I mean, they, there are several of these moments where like they cross the path of like things we've already seen. Tolkien sometimes like tips his hand and is like, ah, yes, Frodo and Sam are doing this at the same moment. But interestingly here, he, he doesn't explicitly make the connection. He leaves the description for us, but doesn't say where Frodo and Sam were the yeah. last time you saw yeah. them, you know? Um, there's something I marked and I don't know what it was about. Oh, um, that like near... The, like, the way to, like, Minas Morgul, it says, you know, the orcs and lesser creatures had, like, gone into battle and been destroyed and the Nazgul were abroad. Yet the air of the valley was heavy with fear and enmity. Then they broke the evil bridge and set red flames in the noisome fields and departed. Like, they're just like, well, we're not going that way, but we'll light some fields on fire and then leave. Fuck yeah. And then they oh yes, they keep and going. there's there's an attempted ambush in the very place where Faramir had waylaid the men of Harad, but they were well warned by their scouts, and so they ambushed the ambush. Yeah, fucking got them. But then the Nazgul are flying above them, kind of from then on, like at a far distance, but they can feel it. Right. And only Legolas can see them, which is yeah awful. That like. You can feel, you can, you know it's there, but you can't yeah. see it by your own eyes. Like, yeah. Blech. Also, think about how high above you something would have to be to be out of sight. I think it's fully above the cloud. Okay, cover. but <laughs> like, like, then why can Legolas shouldn't be able to just like see cloud, see through clouds? He can see far, not x-ray. Oh, point. Wait, does Legolas have x-ray vision? <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah, don't you remember? What do your x-ray elf eyes see? <laughs> it was an interesting adaptational change that they gave him Cyclops glasses mm-hmm. in the movies. So time and the hopeless journey uh, wore away. Yeah. They're in such horrible places that some of the men are, like, too scared. And Ottergorn says, mm-hmm. go, but keep what honor you may and do not run. And there's a task which you may attempt and so be not wholly shamed. And then he says, go to, like, Carandros and retake it from the enemies and then hold it in defense. Then some being shamed by his mercy overcame their fear and went on. And the others took new hope, hearing of a manful deed within their measure that they could turn to, and they departed. He says man so many times in these paragraph about this. Oh, yeah. Like, because he also describes the place Mm -hmm. as unmanning them. A manful deed. It's yeah. a lot. Hey, Tolkien, women exist. Man doesn't mean what you think it means yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially in things And then like this manful. is a great detail. Um, so Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Their numbers are, are kind of diminished by that. And then 
They had they advanced now slowly, expecting at every hour some answer to their challenge, and they drew together, since it was but a waste of men to send out scouts or small parties mm-hmm. from the main host. Like, that is such a good scary detail, like, the oppressiveness of it, and, like, how deprived of information Yeah, and I mean, this feel. whole way, it's just, like, weirdly silent and barren, right, besides the one ambush. And, but they yeah. know, like, they know that there are so many guys that are going to fight them, but it's just so many guys. So many guys. I mean, it says, yet yeah, they knew pretty, that all the hills helpful. and rocks about the Moranon were filled with hidden foes, and the shadowy defile beyond was bored and tunneled by teeming broods of evil things. No choice was left them but to play their part to its end. Therefore, Otterborn now set the host in such array as could best be contrived, and they were drawn up on two great hills of blasted stone and earth that orcs had piled in years of labor. I mean, it's just, it feels so, like, weird and bad, and, like, they're there, and they know that it's going to be horrible, but there's no sign of anything yet, and Otterborn is like, well, like, let's get in position, guys, you know, like... Yeah, it feels it yeah. feels like stilted in a way that none of the other battles have yeah. felt so. And then far. the captains ride forth, like toward the black gate with the heralds and Ugh. like a guard. And it says, And Legolas and Gimli and Peregrine were bidden to go also, so that all the enemies of Mordor should have a witness, as in like each of those races will have like a representative yeah. there. Yeah, and this is, like, this is part of what adds to the stiltedness. So they, they you know, ride up to the gates, and they unfurl Aragorn's banner and, like, blow the trumpets. Like, it, it's a courtly appearance. And the way that this dialogue goes is so weird. Come forth, they cried. Let the Lord of the Black Land come forth. Justice shall be done upon him. For wrongfully he has made war upon Gondor and wrested its lands. Therefore, the king of Gondor demands that he should atone for his evils and depart then forever. Come forth. Yeah, so this is what I wanted to talk about with, like, the earlier announcements and stuff, too. Because I think so, we we are used to, in fantasy, there's often this sense of, like, the villain is is just, like, so obviously a villain. I, I mean, which Sauron is, but, like, like... But their approach to it is like a right. legal it's approach. Right, it's like in, in other fantasy often the there is no debate about like the villain's right to be doing what he's doing. It is like obvious yeah. that like just by existing he is or whatever they are doing like wrong. But in this, I mean, there has been this overarching story of like Sauron you know, being there, but then like gathering forces and starting to extend his lands and stuff. And so it it really is like, if Sauron had just like stayed in his own country <laughs> and not, and not yeah. tried to take more power, like it would not be like, there would not be the issue that they are now facing. Right? Yeah, it definitely, the framing of this, yes, feels that the crime that has been committed is not a moral crime. It is a crime because it infringes upon, uh, like, yeah. a, a kingdom. Yeah. An empire. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, he was, listen, J.R.T. was, yeah, was and, British. Yeah, and, you know, like, had 
been in a war and had that understanding of like European countries having their, you know, disputes over territory, etc. Um, I mean, yeah, that's that's also part of World War yeah. II is like, I'm speaking out of pocket here. Yeah. I'm not an expert on World War II, obviously, but like the involvement of of other European nations didn't come from the Germans are committing internal right. attacks. It was like now they're invading people. our it countries. Is, they invaded yes. Poland. <laughs> right. Um yeah, and, right. and I mean part of the US's involvement was also like, oh no, the Germans are becoming too powerful and taking too much land, and so now we have to be involved. Um So we specifically got involved because of Pearl Harbor. Right. Yes. I don't know shit about yeah. history either. So it but wasn't... like there is, yeah. Yeah, no, no, straight up, straight up. We were like, I'm not sure that this is super our problem until our empire was infringed upon. And then we were like, oh yeah, buckle the yeah. fuck up. Yeah, I mean, go. which we've seen a lot of those kinds of things. Like, you know, people thinking like, oh, well, yeah, like Sauron's not good, but it's not like we're over here in, you know, Fangorn Forest or in wh- wherever, right? Yeah, it did. Yeah, well, oh, that that reminds me actually of like Gandalf saying when we were first dealing with with Aemir, um, or sorry, it must have been Aragorn who said, or maybe it was Gandalf. Anyways, at some point in their interactions, Gandalf or Aragorn, uh-huh. someone was like, "Well, I know that some Rohirrim like pay horse tithes to Mordor." Mm. Like, it's interesting because in so many ways he frames this as a moral conflict between obvious good and obvious uh-huh. evil and in some ways treats it as more of a, a political yeah. I feel like maybe it was Boromir dispute. who said that at the Council of Elrond and it was later, you know, dispelled as a rumor, but... Oh, I thought I thought that actually happened in Rohan. Someone was like... I, I feel remember like maybe that that's does sound familiar when it, with Bormir, but I thought maybe, it happened no, maybe again. Maybe that's when it gets dispelled is someone repeats that and then they say like, no, that's not actually happening. But I don't remember. Oh, well, it's just interesting. Yeah. Also, I, sorry, I have a thing to say. Yes, that's the point of the fucking podcast, yeah. baby. Okay, so there are lots of jokes, right, about Tolkien being vehement about the Lord of the Rings not being an allegory. Because oh, okay. there are obvious shared themes and things. And but I I have a stance to take. Yeah, draw the and lines. It might throw be the controversial. Columns, let's go. But but here's what I want to say. Okay. I think the jokes are funny. Like I will make them too. And I don't think Tolkien was wrong. This is not a fucking allegory. A book like having metaphor in it evoking like real world feelings and like sharing themes with Tolkien's real life experiences does not make something an allegory. Like an allegory is a much more specific thing than that. And this isn't one. It isn't for a variety of reasons, but like zooming in on this like weird, like law of the land dispute. um, Yeah. And and I just wanted to say it because I know that there are people who will hear this and feel like, oh, there's Tolkien again claiming that this isn't an allegory. It's still not. Uh, yeah, I, like the thing that is often said in those jokes is like, 
you know, with like C.S. Lewis's allegory, but like you can't, you can't read C.S. Lewis and be like, ah, oh, an allegory, and then read this and be like, ah, oh, yes, another allegory. Yeah, it's, it's just yeah. not like I, I'm with you. I'm with you on the side yeah. of the line, and I don't, I, you know, I don't bear any ill will to people who think whatever. And again, like the jokes are funny. Um, I don't bear any ill will toward people who think it just couldn't be me. (laughs) Um, But I just needed to say that if Tolkien wanted us to think that like Ottergorn was Jesus, it would be a hell of a lot more obvious. Yeah. (laughs) Or, you know, whatever else. Um, yeah. Let's okay. Let's finish up the chapter. We're very close, and so then the mouth, we get the mouth of Sauron. The mouth of Sauron, which has some great stuff. And are some you stuff. talking about the racism? I am. Yeah. I mean, I wanna. I I wanna say it is not actually clear. I realize that reading the line who came of the race of those that are named the Black Numenorians, it is hard to imagine that Tolkien is using like that particular phrase and not thinking, ah, this is a race of Black people, of dark-skinned people. And we have in the past, like that line where the Hobbit or the, oh, the guy in Brie is like, he was a black chap too. And we initially thought that meant like skin color. And then re- we realized that those guys didn't have faces and therefore didn't have skin. Like Tolkien uses the word black in ways that we don't. Yes, but I, yes. And I'm saying, I'm saying that that, even if it's not explicitly like, oh, I am making a racial claim about this person. The that yeah. like dichotomy of like black all always that is means like, good evil. in the world is is light and white and black always means evil is in itself. Yeah. Like that is a racist literary framing. It's it's a flat metaphor. Yeah. Like Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And so, and I am also I'm not trying to say that like that Tolkien for sure didn't mean that I'm just saying like we don't have enough information to know but but you're right like regardless of his intentions with that you know specific thing it is framing that does a lot of damage yeah um good it's good scene though having this like fucking nasty ass courtier come out and um like taunt them do you remember Joey do you remember the scene oh I I do it's, I mean, it's, it's only in yeah. the extended edition. I remember this because one time my dad was rewatching the films, actually, like when we decided to start this podcast, you know, the night that we came up with the name and I, then I went out to the family room <laughs> and my dad was fucking watching the movies and I was like, what the fuck yeah. is this weird synchronicity? Um, and then I asked him, what is this sorcery? It was like you know, theatrical or extended, and he claimed it was extended, but the Mouth of Sauron scene was not there, and I was like, no, it's not. No, I don't remember that specifically. I probably didn't I, I bring tell it up you, because... but I, I just know that that's, yeah. Yeah, I, I bring it up, one, because this is a very effective and tense scene in the book. I can't wait to get there in the movie, because I think it is the most effective monster design in all of the lord of the rings which is a controversial claim mm. this yeah just fucking guy Can't... who just wants to be a who's a fucking like sauron bootlicker and who wants to be 
boy prince of the new mm. world just comes out and fucking taunts yeah. everyone. It Can sucks. Can I talk about the horse? Oh, yes, yes, yeah. we have to talk okay, about the so horse. so this, like, embassy rides out. At its head, there rode a tall and evil shape, mounted upon a black horse, if horse it was, for it was huge and hideous, hideous, and its face was a frightful mask, more like a skull than a living head, and in the sockets of its eyes and in its nostrils there burned a flame. A cursed horse! Yeah, yeah, which is interesting because... Even the Ringwraith's horses were just horses. This is something else. Maybe, do you remember the description of how Sauron made the fell beast? That it was like some holdover from an ancient world and he fucking fed it fell meats or whatever. This is a a foal that was fed fell haze and oats. (laughs) Fell oats. Um, I mean, let's be honest. He was probably feeding his horses fell meats also. Yeah. Also, <laughs> it specifies that um, this guy was more cruel than any orc. Yeah. Um, oh, the line, Otterborn said not in answer, but he took the other's eye and held it. Oh, yeah. And for a mm-hmm. moment they strove thus. But soon, though Otterborn did not stir nor move hand to weapon, the other quailed and gave back as if menaced with a blow. I am a herald and ambassador and may not be assailed, he cried. <laughs> and I just yeah. fucking, I mean, imagine like the intensity of Ottergorn's eye contact that this guy is like, oh God, he's going to kill me. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. It's really good. And so uh, Gandalf, Gandalf is the one who is like, I have the authority to treat with you. This mouth is like, um, I have something to show you. And he unwraps some fucking miserable souvenirs, which are things from Frodo and Sam. It's Sam's sword, the gray cloak with an elven brooch, and Frodo's mithril nail. Pippin can't help himself but react. Pippin, who stood behind Prince Emmerhill, sprang forward with a cry of grief. Yeah. Silence, said Gandalf sternly, thrusting him back, but the messenger laughed yeah. aloud. And this is genuinely, like, this is scary. Like, this is one of the scariest threats in the book. Yeah. But essentially, he says, we have your people, and the threat is not the threat of death or even the threat of separation, yeah. but the threat of change beyond recognition. Yeah. He says, oh, he was dear to you, I see, and now he shall endure the slow torment of years as long and slow as our arts and the great tower can contrive and never be released, unless maybe when he is changed and broken so that he may come to you and you shall see what you have done. Like, I genuinely don't think there has been an an existential threat, like a personal threat so so great. But like, kudos to Gandalf, because so like the messenger is like, it's plain that, you know, you're, I mean, he says this brat, he means Pippin, at least, has seen these tokens before, and it would be vain for you to deny them now. And Gandalf keeps his shit together and says, I do not wish to deny them. Indeed, I know them all and all their history. Um, which yeah, is more than which you have. even you cannot say. Also, this is, again, this, like, weird theme where, like, the messenger is like, these are the signs of a conspiracy. You've been spying on us, and that's, like against the law he doesn't say the law but like 
it's like there are these expectations that they'll like stay out of each other's land and stuff. And now he's like, we have a prisoner of war because he was spying on us, essentially. And not because like, I'm Sauron is just evil and wants the ring which your friend had. You know, actually, the more we talk about this, the more I think there might be something here because um, I'm like, I'm really, really like regurgitating like, like AP history stuff uh-huh. here. So I, I won't go too deeply into it because I'm not knowledgeable, but I wonder if some of this is like Tolkien speaking to like how arbitrary the conventions of warfare yeah. and like the gentleman's agreement. Yeah. I mean, agreement of it is in the face of, like, evil and yeah. atrocity. Because, like, that's one of the things about World War... Like, you know, World War One and World War Two is, like, the decimation of the cavalry with, like, chemical warfare and, like, new... And, yeah. like, guns. And, I mean, it is, like, the way the Fellowship and, like, everyone on, on that side of things talks to each other is not the way that now they are conversing with this guy, right? Like, everyone knows that he's evil, and that that is the actual problem. But there is this, like, weird convention. Yeah, Tolkien is out here fucking um, calling the shot on right-wing trolls who will debate you endlessly on form because they cannot defend yeah. the content. Yeah, and so uh, Gandalf is like, you know, what? okay, what are the terms of your deal for this, like, prisoner exchange like we want to see him we want to see he's okay and the mouth says sure to you crave sauron gives none if you sue for his clemency you must first do his bidding these are his terms take them or leave them and then gandalf says these we will take and he springs up on shadow facts and fucking snatches the salmon frodo tidbits away from yeah also the terms that like he has named are like that Gondor and its allies shall withdraw at once beyond mm, the yeah. Anduin, um, first taking oaths never again to assail Sauron the Great in arms, open or secret. All lands east of the Anduin shall be Sauron's forever solely. Like, it's all, I mean, it's just, it. like, it's a lot. You turn, ar- you turn and around and also home. give us most of your land. But, I mean, also, again, Gandalf is so shrewd. He says, this is much to demand for the delivery of one servant, that your master should receive in exchange what he must else fight many a war to gain. Or has the field of Gondor destroyed his hope in war so that he falls to haggling? And if indeed we rated this prisoner so high, what surety have we that Sauron, the base master of treachery, will keep his part? Where is this prisoner? Let him be brought forth and yielded to us, and then we will consider these demands. It's so smart, because he doesn't, like... The messenger not being able to produce Frodo is not a sure answer that he's free, but it gives them a spark of hope again. And the messenger is, like, at a loss. Then the messenger, like, retreats, but the trap is sprung and just hordes of soldiers, of orcs, of, you know... Fighting yeah, it, guys. it says that they're outnumbered. Is it ten yeah. to one? Forces ten times and more than ten times their match would ring them in a sea of enemies. They yeah. prepare to fight, and then they start fighting, and we we zoom in to to Pippin's perspective. Yeah, this is 
pretty much the last thing I wanted to talk about. Yeah. Because it's very, it's very interesting. Pippin is, like, overwhelmed with horror, both at what's happening and at seeing Gandalf reject what looks like an opportunity to save Frodo. It says, for it seemed best to him to die soon and leave the bitter story of his life since all was in ruin. I wish Mary was here, he heard himself saying, and quick thoughts raced through his mind, even as he watched the enemy come charging to the assault. Well, now at any rate, I understand poor Denethor a little better. We might die together, Mary and I, and since die we must, why not? Well, as he is not here, I hope he'll find an easier end. But now I must do my best. Which, yeah, yeah, God. It's such an extreme and sad moment for him to yeah. empathize with Denethor. Yeah. And then there are these great big hill trolls out of Gorgoroth that are coming through, just like beating with huge hammers. At Pippin's side, Baragond was stunned and overborne, and he fell. And the great troll chief that smote him down bent over him, reaching out a clutching claw, for these fell creatures would bite the throats of those that they threw down. Then Pippin stabbed upwards. Man, Pippin and Sa Sam, both great at that, like, upward stab. I mean, yeah. I guess when you're a hobbit, that's about the only direction you can Direction stab. to go. <laughs> I mean, those lateral attacks are real, real dangerous to it's the It's true. And the written blade of Westerness pierced through the hide and went deep into the vitals of the troll, and his black blood came gushing out. He toppled forward and came crashing down like a falling rock, burying those beneath him. Blackness and stench and crushing pain came upon Pippin, and his mind fell away into a great darkness. So it ends as I guessed it would, his thought said, even as it fluttered away, and it laughed a little within him ere it fled. Almost gay it seemed to be casting off at last all doubt and care and fear. And then even as it winged away into forgetfulness, it heard voices, and they seemed to be crying in some forgotten world far above. The eagles are coming! The eagles are coming! For one moment more, Pippin's thought hovered. Bilbo, it said. But no, that came in his tale long, long ago. This is my tale, and it has ended now. Goodbye! And his thought fled far away, and his eyes saw no more. The man can end a chapter, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, framing-wise, it works. It's a, I, It feels maybe a little goofy because, like, at the end of this chapter, when uh, Mary was being left behind, Aragorn was like, like, don't be ashamed. Um, Peregrine shall go and represent the Shire folk. Do not grudge him his chance of peril, for though he has done as well as his fortune allowed him, he has yet to match your deed. Um, and then Pippin does a deed. Yeah, I mean, it feels a little. It's still pat, not as not the same as like the Witch King, but it's, it's, it's no, true. It is I not mean, the same it's as true. Tolkien gets a little. You know, everyone has to have their like little arc, and with yeah. Merry and Pippin especially, it. It gets a little, yeah. Like, Pip Pippin has already shown his, like, bravery and his emotional fortitude and his willingness yeah. to, like, sacrifice to help the people around him without him, like, stabbing and mm -hmm. killing a fucking mm -hmm. Gorgoroth It is kind troll. of like, I don't know. It's sort of, 
nice of Tolkien to allow them each, like, they both get a kill. It's very symmetrical. Yeah, but then they just pass the fuck out and are saved from experiencing (laughs) the, like, ongoing battle. Yeah, it's that's nice. True. Like he is like, here's your moment, and now you get to be unconscious for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll check in with you afterwards, little uh, guy. Okay. Yeah. Wow. What was your favorite and that's horse? It. We. Well, we're. I mean, that's the end of that. I just oh, want to yeah. say that's the end of that book. Oh yeah. And so next is onto book six, and I kind of can't believe. Like it feels like we've been in Return of the King forever because. In the relative arc of the podcast, we sure fucking have been, but I can't believe we're on to, like, the last book. Oh, I can actually tell people what we're reading next, which is the next three three chapters, chapters. which is... You might be noticing the tower appeareth uncle through Mount Doom. I think it's sets of three the rest of the way through, alternating with movie episodes. It sure is. And... Yes, spoiler it's very tidy in our next yeah. book episode like we're gonna cover the destruction of the ring joey what the it's fuck? happening it's so it's joey. yeah it's wild because it feels like we are not there yet but we are but we are yeah i mean we still have a lot of frodo and sam distance yeah. to cover and then the shire there's a there's a lot yeah. to come where we are close to the end, but we still have we still have a yes. Place. Okay, that's all I wanted to say. We can okay. first vow, yeah, check. Second vow, I think it's got to be the, the, <laughs> the horrible horse uh, like, creature. You know, we have asked and like debated like are horses evil in this world, and like here answered that that's a fucking yeah. evil horse. Um, yeah. So I guess I guess that's my favorite <laughs> as the only horse of sustenance. That sustenance being Great. fell oats. Uh, yeah, How about I think you? I agree. I mean, I, okay, actually, my favorite horse is when Eowyn is like, health, yes, as long as there's, like, a riderless horse for me. Oh, my favorite horse is when Gandalf was like, Eomer, you had horses. <laughs> yeah. Okay, vow number three. Let's fucking rewrite a song. Yeah, so we have uh, two options from this section. Uh, we have the song that Legolas sang. Oh, uh, uh, while describing the horrible, wretched, no good road trip with the army of the dead that starts silver flow the streams from Kalos to Aroe and the fields of Lebanon. And then we also have... The doggerel. Um, the, yes, the doggerel from the herb master. I strongly vote for the herb master. Yes, verse. I love that because it's short. So, you you read it before. Let's read it again here just so that it's fresh in our minds. Yeah. Sorry, what do you mean, let's? Oh, I would like you okay, to. Okay, great. Uh, when the black breath blows and death's shadow grows and all lights pass... Come Athalas, come Athalas. Life to the dying in the king's hand lying. Okay. Um, how the fuck do we normally do this? Thieves? We make it about horses somehow. Here's my pitch. It's not very cohesive yet. But I feel like, you know, typically when we say the name of that herb, we do not, like, make it rhyme with ass. 
Um, but sure don't. But then in this song we do. And so I think, I think we should maintain that rhyme and make that word actually ass. <laughs> okay. <laughs> is that the, is that the, the backbone upon which all, all the rest of this will yes. be built? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in. I don't know. Okay. My, my, mm, the thing I'm wary mm-hmm. of is mm-hmm. initially I, I was not thinking about the fact that it has to be horse related. And I was thinking about like writing a horny poem about Ottergorn. <laughs> Bro. I listen, we have done, I think 16 poems about horses. We can take a little break and write a poem I mean, about, I think about a hot King's butt. That's fine. We could, we could mention a horse. Like, we could have a mention of Brago, because part of what makes Ottergorn hot this is that hot he is a horse, horse girl. girl. Yes. Yeah. So, like, we'll, we should have a reference to that. Okay. Yes. This is perfect. I think we're long overdue to discuss the ass <laughs> and shanks. So. Okay. Oh. Uh, yeah. Hey, hey, in our horny poem, what is going to be described by In the King's Hand line? Um. <laughs> Unrelated, but do you have anything that rhymes with girth? You know, for a uh-huh. horse, Joey. <laughs> we don't have to keep that line in the king's hand line. No. <laughs> uh, funny, though. Um, when the long shanks stride and Aragorn... When the long shanks stride at Brago's side. Wow. Coming out strong. Okay, what is, let's, I want the ass line first. Okay. Like, I want to figure it out come, first, and then we'll. So, Athelus, come, come, Athelus is the last three syllables. I feel like every time I say how many syllables something is, I really embarrass okay. myself. Um, hmm. Okay, what about... Bring me that ass. What about bring me that, that kingly ass? ass? That kingly ass. <laughs> <laughs> I'm real. Yeah. Okay. That kingly. Or should, should or it, yeah. I guess bring it is. It me is a that ass. That kingly ass. <laughs> that kingly ass. No, no. Let's let's. We can. We have an opportunity to okay. cue to the okay. poem here. Okay. I think it should be okay. a repetition. That kingly ass. That kingly ass. So then what, what goes above really, that? Really, we need a line that means, like, everyone checks him out, right? Like, when Ottergorn is walking at Brago's side, everyone looks. That kingly ass, and, that and it, kingly and it rhymes ass. With ass. Yes. Um, and then we'll have two what rhymes more with ass? lines. Um, alas. alas. Everyone goes, alas, that kingly ass, that kingly ass. I kind of like that. Um, we, we can change, we can change kind of the front half, but I really like rhyming alas. Crowds with cry, alas, that kingly ass, that kingly. Oh, what if, what, what if we do the people cry, alas. Um, yeah, or something, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, no, I'm, I'm just, I'm just thinking about. Chapters make reference to his I'm people. I'm just thinking about cadence. That's all. Um, mm-hmm. And all lights pass. Yeah, we can, we definitely can't do the yeah. people. Um, we um, could like we could do the folk cry alas. 
So th the is a pickup, but then we don't have to do a pickup and fit two syllables in that, you know, first sort of beat. Yeah, this, but, this might be too much repetition with kingly and kingly, but we could do kingdom's cry, which I think implies the power of the ass that mm. like it, it, it evokes a, a response from the entire kingdom's, kingdom. Yeah, kingdom's cry, alas, that kingly ass, that kingly ass. Okay, I'm open to that. I my I like alas, but my one complaint is that, you know, it has such a connotation of like woe, you know, of like oh no, and I want it to have more of a like uh, it's an earth-shattering more of a like earth-shattering um, huzzah, huzzah, you know, not alas alas. Yeah, right? okay, that's fair. But okay, let's, hold on. So I want to brainstorm the other rhymes. Keep keep that let's line. Keep Kingdom's cry, alas, and then let's toss out alas and write an alternate line that isn't right. alas okay. and see. So other rhymes for ass are pass, sass, bass, <laughs> uh, <laughs> crass, morass, uh, morass, yeah. Um, pass isn't bad because it's something about him gas. passing, you know? <laughs> Less. That's, that one's not great. Mass. I feel like pass is yeah. promising. Oh, oh, fuck. I'm an idiot. It's not kingdom's cry, alas. It's Gondor cries, alas. Mm. Mm hmm What if we make it more personal? Okay. And, <laughs> uh -huh. and the line is, we cry at his pass. That kingly ass, that kingly ass. Hmm. I, I wish we could I wish we could do both. I mean, we could we could write two stanzas of this, you know. Um, yeah. Let's also. Okay, let's I move want on to I the... want in the first line. I want it to be when his long shanks stride instead of when the when his long shanks stride yeah, long at Brago's side. At Brago's we side. cry at his past that kingly ass that kingly. The the thing is the I have a slight preference for my line because it cadence wise flows slightly better um okay that's fair i just i i i am enamored of the idea of the entire kingdom being moved but, but let's continue to the last two lines and then come back to this one and see what we think yes um Okay, life to the dying in the king's hand okay. lying. So in in this original poem, you know, we have like the first three lines are like the setting, right? Like when mm -hmm. it's this time, when these things are happening, we want the herb, come Athalas. And then we want we want the herb we want the herb <laughs> we want the ass we, we want the, the ass herb. um and then the last two lines <laughs> instead of the herb master it's the ass master <laughs> the last two lines are what the herb will do right what it's capable yeah. of <laughs> right so what if it's like lust inspiring. <laughs> Uh, lust inspiring something desiring. Lust inspiring our hearts desiring. You know, I mean, yeah. That so I understand 
the poem we have written so far, those last lines go together really well, but also I feel like maybe it pushes the poem like a smidgen too mm, that's far. That's fair. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's, I, I think you're probably right. I think it remains more powerful if we actually like dial it back a, a notch. Um, mm-hmm. Please. This <laughs> is a chaste, kingly ass appreciation uh-huh. ode. Maybe we can have um, a line about how, you know, some of us want to be Ottergorn and some of us want to admire Ottergorn, but more concise. Be him or do him. <laughs> Sorry. No, so that's, there's that meaning no. again. I mean, you're true. You are, you are, you are putting truth to the, you are capturing it under your yeah. proverbial pin, yeah. but. Um... Um, How about both is the other part of that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Huh. That's the podcast. We'll see you guys next month with a movie episode. Uh, Um, What what does he provide to his people? Inspiration. Flowing shirts. Fashion. Panache. Horse loving, um, being friendly with your exes. The patron saint of being <laughs> friends with your shirts. exes. Drawing a sword really dramatically. Yearning. Okay, okay, hear me out. I, I have a fully formed couplet for okay. you. A seat to desire when the times are dire. <laughs> Great, love it. See, that's a little joke because it's also about the seat mm-hmm. of the king. Okay, so I just sent the full text. I think we're going with your your line yeah, on the you third. Do you feel okay about that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's do the recitation. Do you want to swap off uh, couplets? Or do you want to complete each other's let, couplets? Let's complete each other's couplets because it's more even That's that in the way. spirit of go, the... Yeah. Go ahead. Unless you want the when kingly he- ass line, in which case I'll start. Oh, no, it's okay. I feel like you can really bring a gravitas to that. When his long shanks at stride. At Draco's side. We cry at that his past. That kingly ass. That kingly ass. A seat when to desire. When the times are dire. Wow, we did it. We sure did. Yeah, I've, you know, I've joked before about us, like, earning our explicit tag for one thing or another, but we did it yeah. again. Be him or do him. How about both? Um. <laughs> <laughs> That's our third vow complete. And that brings us to our fourth. Uh, Joey, are the beacons The beacons lit? are fucking lit! There's, oh god, fire everywhere. <laughs> Please no. Yes. First of all, we have an email beacon that I'm going to read to you. I just have to get to the right email of my 27 different emails. You do have too many emails in general, and also too many email addresses. (laughs) Okay, Margaret, pronounce she/her, writes: Hi, Caitlin and Joey. As a former horse girl and lifetime LOTR fan, I absolutely love your podcast. Thank you. 
Um, I learned about something recently that I felt you should know about, and even though it isn't horse-related, it is very gay. And you said a while back that horses are also gay, so, you know, it's tangentially relevant. That's true. That's you've, very true. You've learned well. Um, <laughs> if we have taught you anything. <laughs> I read an entire book about the LOTR score. It's called The Music of the Lord of the Rings Films by Doug Adams, and I highly recommend it if you're a movie score and LOTR nerd like me. Oh. And there was so much that was interesting about it, but one part in particular that almost made me fall out of my chair. Are you ready to fall out of your chair, Caitlin? So, yes. Anytime you hear a chorus in the score, they're always singing something thematically relevant to whatever is happening on screen, usually in Sindarin or Old English. And this book has the translations for all of these moments. During the oh my scene God. when Frodo collapses on the slopes of Mount Doom, Right before Sam's iconic, I can't carry it for you line, we hear a chorus singing in the background, and apparently it's meant to represent this internal argument that Sam is having. The translation is as follows, and she has given us a couple like photographs of book pages. This text was written by Philippa Boyens, by the way. I Because she's... Because the, Philippa because Boyens said she, gay she so rights. All of us, she's a... Sh she did. Oh my god. I was gonna ask. Okay. Okay. It says, lie down, sleep. I cannot yield. Why do you still hope? I have nothing else. You are a fool. I will not leave him. You owe him nothing. I gave him my word. Death will break it. Then let death break it. He has the last oh. of my heart. I will go with him to the end. Fuck. Oh I know. God. I know. Love is I have real. tears in my eyes now, literally. Oh okay. I will not leave him. Let death but break it. Wait, there's more, Margaret writes. When Frodo oh falls God. off the ledge on Mount Doom and Sam is reaching down to him, this is what plays. It's it's two different choruses, two different texts. The first one is called Not Once Not Ever, and it reads, You have fallen and I cannot reach you. Every step I willed you on, every moment I led you to this, you never left my mind, not once, not ever. Oh and then God. the second one is called Don't Let Go, and it reads, You want nothing more than this death. I see it in your eye, but I cannot let you. We have come too far we have held on too long. Reach. You cannot let go. You cannot leave me. Bro, yeah, Margaret know. says, you cannot let go. You cannot leave me is what murdered me personally. Yeah, us too. I honestly do not know how to handle the fact that this has been in these movies all this time and I didn't know until 2021. That book sounds very cool. I'm going to have to get yeah. a copy of that. Thank you so much yes. for sharing that. I feel so emotional both about Frodo and Sam and also about, like, the loving stewardship that, like, Philippa Boyens exerted over this I franchise. Um, Margaret also Talk. says, no pressure to do this if you don't want, but since part of your show includes rewriting a song from LOTR, perhaps these songs could be contenders. Um, anyway, thanks for reading. I hope you enjoyed learning about this incredibly gay and heartbreaking music as much as I did. We sure did, Margaret. Thank you so much. Yeah. I 
am open to rewriting these songs, but the thing is, is that they're already perfect, and so I don't know what we could do with them. Um, yeah, there there have been a few instances in the book where we have gone. This is this is a song or a or a poem too special for our yeah, grimy but we pause, can certainly we like have to say you that know, here. consider it, and if we are really hitting the dregs of available songs, we'll you know we'll we'll talk about the possibilities. But thank you so much yeah thank you so much that was uh, a special treat for me and by treat i mean yeah. break we also got some yeah, things some on twitter questions on on twitter what's our first yes. question uh francis at hobbit trans on twitter says do you think spirit stallion of the cimarron and shadow packs would be allies or enemies mm. So we've we've I have a okay. I have an answer here. Spirit is a mare. Yes. He's a horse what talks. Yes. They're kinsmen. They yeah. would be allies. We have like we've talked a little bit about them before. Not with this particular question, but I know that there have been mm-hmm. other discussions and they would be allies. They might even be yes. I mean they're probably related because horses are oh fuck fuck there's such there is such fucking potent crossover material here because number one i obviously love the lord of the rings score but i am thinking of the brian adams lord of the rings score and i'm getting excited about that and i'm also thinking about fucking western l-o-t-r-a-u which is yeah. really good. I actually, I tuned in to a, like, Tolkien Tuesday on Twitch stream where this person is, like, reading a section of oh, it out fun. loud each time and then discussing it sometimes mm-hmm. with guests. And they, I'm using they because I don't know pronouns and so I'm I'm defaulting to that. Um, they give Aragorn kind of like a western, like a cowboy accent. Oh my god. Um, and, I mean, which works. Like, that's who, like, Ottergorn would be, like, oh, fuck. you know. Strider, he, like, already has the boots. Yeah. It would be good. Um, oh, man. It would be real. And imagine, really like, all the hobbits in their little, like, gingham shirts and overalls. Yeah. There, there could be some great stuff there because, like, Sam... And Mary and Pippin would all dress that way a little bit, but like Frodo, as like the hoity toityest of them, wears like actually kind of similar yeah. to Hobbit, wear like little like brocaded waistcoats. But also like a bolo tie or like the bow ties, but that that are like really narrow, like it's an actual bow with the strings hanging down, you know? Yeah, where it look, yeah, it's like it's a big yeah. floppy bow. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Good oh stuff. my god. Oh, speaking of the score, I have been listening to the spirit soundtrack off and on bits of it you know <laughs> some of the tracks are on my road trip yeah. playlist and i want so badly to play like the instrumental like the big kind of finale track where like he does the jump and everything i want to play that in an orchestra so badly oh. every time i hear it recently i yeah. am just like i just want to play it Bro, do you want to find some spirit stallion of the Cimarron? Yeah. Sheet music online yeah. and play some. Okay. Okay, great. Um, 
And in response to that tweet, uh, Sarah at Squidgy Lizards points out that Spirit's father from the children's book series name is also Strider, wow. which is a great, like, coincidence. Wow, wow, wow. So that's asked and answered. We have a few more questions. I think we might save them for next yeah. episode because the beacons. We gotta, we gotta, uh, we gotta meet up. Yeah, the beacons, but you, you can know? always send us more. Yeah, and then we won't have to. We can just go question bucket wild. Yeah. Go feral on some Twitter asks. Oh, oh, I just wanted to shout out the essay that Molly Knox Ostertag just published. Yes. I have not read it yet, but um, it, it's yeah. And very good. she says in like a follow-up tweet, I started out wanting to write about the validity of a queer reading, but the more I dug into history and context and Tolkien's own letters and views on romance, the more convinced I became that the queerness is intentional, happy pride. And that's like the more I have, I mean, I haven't even dug into the past stuff, but just from reading the book itself, the more I become convinced it's intentional. Well, not just from reading the book. I've also found out things about like Tolkien having lesbian colleague friends who's like writing he edited and like this and that, that has helped inform that. But yeah, I'm really excited to read Molly's essay and um, you probably should be too if you are not already aware of it. That is uh, published on Polygon and it it is both on the Shadowfax account and on Molly's account. You can easily find it, but it is a wonderful read. Yeah. Worth your time. Well, next next time in two weeks, we will... Yep. Don't say week. Don't, don't, no. don't say nope. next, next don't say time. Next week. <laughs> next time we publish an episode on our definitely regular schedule, it will be about a section of the movie that is yet to be determined. And now I think it's time for me to go eat some mm, fell oats. I'm be thinking about that kingly ass. That kingly ass. <laughs> be in the doom. Good night. Thank you for listening. The music you heard at the beginning was Horse by Horse, arranged and performed by Caitlin and Joey. That's us. You can listen to it again at soundcloud.com shadowfactspod. The cover art was made by Annie Johnston Click at Dancy Naru on Twitter. I'm Caitlin, my pronouns are they, them, and you can follow me at Chalo and Behold on Twitter. You can follow the show at ShadowFactsPod and email your horse-related Lord of the Rings questions to ShadowFactsPod at gmail.com. Joining me on this journey there and back again is... Joey. My pronouns are they, he, and you can follow me on Twitter at JoeyThePrince. If you want to read and watch along, check the episode description for the segment we'll cover next time. This has been Shadow Facts. One horse to rule them all! Ha 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 ha!